0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the discount code FOOL. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, May 18th, and we're talking international tech stocks, I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Danny Venna. Danny, we are wrapping up International Week here on IF. Before we start talking stocks, have you ever been abroad?
1: Oh, goodness, yes. Uh, I spent 13 years in the military, so I was in several foreign countries, um, most notably Berlin, right before the wall fell. Um, But after that, my wife and I are prolific international travelers, been to Paris, London, Dublin, Rome, Venice, you name it. So you went on a mission trip to Kenya at one point.
0: So, you are a man of the world, Danny. Uh, I am. Our man behind the glass, Austin
2: Morgan, is not so much a man of the world. You could say that. I've been to Jamaica one time, and it was the most terrifying place I've ever been. I think I was 15, and we were on a cruise. We got off in Jamaica. We were going tubing, so we had to drive up the mountain to go tubing, and on this trip, Hey, there's no road rules, n- none at all. It's terrifying, you just honk your horn and go. And I saw a man chasing another man up the street with a machete, and that was the last time I went to Jamaica. <laughs> and the only time
0: you've traveled abroad, right? And the only
2: time I've traveled abroad.
0: <laughs> I don't, well, I, that I don't, doesn't normally happen when you travel abroad.
2: No, probably not,
0: but... <laughs> but but we need to get you traveling more to the United States.
2: Yeah, I've, I haven't really gone that far. Colorado, I mean, yeah, I went to Colorado once for X Games, but not much... We'll, travel.
0: We'll get you there. Um, and I am, I'm thinking about some of my own travel because after the awful weather we've been experiencing here in DC, uh, I am thinking about traveling quite a bit. It is wet here at HQ, Danny. It is also wet in the studio because I spilt water all over the table before we started (laughs) taping. So um, I'm thinking about traveling quite a bit. Uh, Why don't don't we at least mentally travel a little bit and talk about some foreign businesses here? Uh, We're going to be talking about two fairly big international companies on the show today. Uh, While they're both large, they face totally different challenges. Why don't we start off talking about a company that we mentioned last week, Tencent?
1: Well, Dylan, Tencent is a company that is probably not that well known to U.S. investors unless they have a particular focus on China. Uh, Tencent is one of the largest uh, video game and social media companies in the world um, in terms of revenue. Um, and it bears saying that, you know, there's a there's a dynamic um, when you talk about the United States, you talk about apps, you know we have a different app for everything. We have apps for social media. We have separate apps for messaging. We have separate apps for each video game. And in China, the dynamic is a little bit different, particularly with Tencent. Now Tencent has um, a what's called a social messaging app. And this app has over a billion users. A billion. And it winds up 1.3 billion uh, population of China. So that's pretty substantial penetration there.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty big installed base to work off of. And not only do they have this WeChat app, um, they are also the largest video game publisher by revenue. And they have a lot of very successful titles in the Chinese market.
1: They do. Um, Chinese consumers are truly taken with the game Honor of Kings, um, which is one of the largest video games in the world and a game that most Western gamers have never heard of. However, um, they may be familiar with a game called Fortnite, uh, the Battle Royale Hunger Games style uh, game that has taken the world by storm lately. It's a free to play game, however, um, it's been making hundreds of millions of dollars each month um, as gamers that are playing buy add-on things within the you know within the game itself. So they're buying, you know, skins for their uh, players. they're buying, now mind you, this is not loot boxes. I know there's a lot of folks that that are not into the whole loot box thing. So they're not buying, uh, extra lives. They're not buying weapons, but they're buying clothes and and other things for their players.
0: Yeah, I was down. Uh, I was down in Florida visiting my family a couple months ago, and my cousin has kids between eight and twelve, and Fortnite is all they wanted to talk about. Uh, and and as someone that doesn't have children, it's kind of a good reminder of, of how popular things can be outside of the core demographic uh, that you're in. Now, um, this is a rare instance where like, they have exposure to something that is in the United States and is not yet in China. Uh, actually, Tencent is accepting pre-registration for Chinese gamers for the, uh, for the Epic Games title Fortnite, but they don't currently have access to that. So, For, for all the growth that we've seen with this particular title, uh, it is not yet in one of the biggest gaming markets uh, in the world. Um, Beyond the gaming and social media stuff, though, I think something that makes Tencent a very interesting business is they also have a pretty sizable investment arm.
1: They do. and You would be surprised. I I read some statistics on this, and they were pretty fascinating. Um, According to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Tencent has stakes in 277 startups just since 2013. And it has invested in 80 public and private companies just in the last year alone. Now, you know, you hear a lot about big companies like, say, Google investing in a lot of startups. But in this particular case, you would be surprised to know that Tencent has substantial stakes in some very well-known uh, U.S.-based companies. Uh, it's got a 5% stake in Activision Blizzard, a 5% stake in Tesla. Um, It's done a 10% share swap with Spotify, owns 12% of Snap. And I mean, these are big companies. So the estimates are that the company has spent probably $25 billion acquiring stakes in other companies.
0: Yeah, and it's just kind of a little interesting offshoot for their business. You think about it; they're a large company at 500 billion or so market cap. Uh, so these investments are a relatively small portion of the overall company. But uh, you think of the the sheer breadth of the number of startups they've invested in, it kind of has that Google feel to it, right? Where it's like, you know, we're putting our money into a whole bunch of different baskets here almost like a venture capital fund, and if any of these take off, they could become really significant segments of our business, um, or, or the investment side of their business could become a lot more interesting. Um, looking at a company this size, you know, often you don't expect them to be putting up really impressive growth rates, and yet, um, Tencent just continues to grow. Uh, last quarter, they grew revenue at 48% and the other numbers were even more impressive operating profit was up 59% net profit was up 61% a year ago the company posted 54% year over year growth so this isn't a business that growth is slowing meaningfully you know it's still posting you know pretty impressive results it's not like anything's falling off a cliff as it gets bigger
1: it it isn't and because it has the combination of your you know, social media and video games. And as I started to say earlier, you know, this is this is the everything app in China. So rather than having separate apps for all these different things, you can, uh, you know, using this app, it's social media, you can play games, you can order food, ride hailing, um, do uh, flight ticket check-in, all without ever leaving the app. So it's got a huge advertising business um, within, you know, all of this uh, social media and gaming. And, I mean, it's ridiculous. Their online games revenue grew 26% year over year to, you know, $4.5 billion. Their social media revenue was up 47% to about $2.9 billion. But then they have several other really quickly growing sidearms Um, Most notably, cloud computing and digital payments, which both doubled um, in the last quarter year-over-year, to a total of about $2.5 billion for the segment.
0: And We talked about streaming video in China last week. Um, They also have a streaming video business, and in the most recent quarter, their video customer base grew 85% year-over-year. Year. So, so That's growing, too. Uh, this looks like a company that is seeming to do everything pretty much right. Uh, they just posted earnings, I think, yesterday or two days ago, and the market was very pleased with these results. They're up, I think, 7 or 8% since they posted. When I look at this company, Danny, I'm not so much worried about what's going on in China with them. I, I think that they have the massive installed base there. To to kind of borrow what you said before, they are like the Facebook, PayPal, name it. They are they are that company for China. Um, What really becomes kind of interesting to me is can they grow this business outside of China as well? Because they already have a huge runway within their domestic market. But if they can get outside of that, then the growth opportunities become even more interesting.
1: Well and I think one of the things that you can look at is with the all of the other investments that they've made in companies outside of their core market. You know, that gives them an in in so many different countries. So, you know, they may not be able to replicate that type of success in their international markets as they have in China just because the way we use apps is is so Uh, segmented compared to China. Uh, But that said, you know, they have they have so many ways into other countries, uh, you know, like, for instance, Activision, Blizzard and Epic Games. They're like a 40, 45 percent owner of Epic Games, which is all around the world. So they, they have ways to grow in international markets
0: and i think that this company is a really great bet on a lot of trends that we really like in the tech space you know we we've talked a ton in the past on the show about the gaming industry and how successful take 2 Activision, EA have been as investments over the last five years. You know, we look at esports as a mega trend that's really rising. This company has exposure to that. This company has exposure to mobile in general, but also the payments industry. I think that's really interesting. Um, this is a big business, and and recently I've tried to look for kind of smaller tech players just because I think the growth opportunities are better and the opportunities for returns are a little bit better. But I also look at them and I'm like, yeah, they're a 500 billion dollar company, but. Out of any company that size, I think this is the most realistic double in the next, you know, five to ten years that that I can see.
1: I I think you're right, and this is a company that you know I'm looking to make a a meaningful investment into here in the next. I only started studying this company in the last few months, and I'm really impressed with, you know, like I said, not only the massive penetration that they have in the social media space in the gaming business um, in their native China, but also, they're investing in streaming video, they're investing in cloud computing, they're investing in digital payments. You put all that together and I I think they still have a massive opportunity ahead of them.
0: We're going to talk about another company that has a massive opportunity in front of it, at least in our view, uh, but some slightly different risks in front of it as well on the second half of the show. Before we get over to that, though, This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at the molecular level. The company makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, helping them better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. One customer has reportedly said that after using Molecule in her home, she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule is easy to use and has a clean and sleek design, from the materials used on the device, like its sleek aluminum shell, to a filter subscription service, where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. Having seen this thing around the office, I can vouch for just how sleek it is. It's got a nice, minimalist design that looks way better than the clunky air purifiers you're probably used to having around the house. I know Chris Hill brought it home and gave it to his family, and they wound up getting some much-needed relief during D.C.'s brutal allergy season. Molecules Technology has been funded by the EPA and extensively tested by real people and verified by third parties at university labs. For $75 off your first order, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FOOL. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and promo code FOOL. All right, Danny. Turning our attention to a company that we both currently own, uh, why don't we talk about Mercado Libre? I know that this is one of your favorite businesses. It's one that you turned me on to, I, I think, about a year ago, uh, and have and I've been following it since. Um, why don't we, Why don't we break it down for people that aren't as familiar with the business?
1: Well, for for folks that have never heard of it, Mercado Libre is the leading e commerce platform in Latin America. And when you think about e-commerce, you think about companies like Amazon, that's the e-commerce leader that sells products. You think about Shopify that helps set up websites and manage them for business owners. You think about companies like uh, eBay that has a, a, a platform for people to sell things to each other. Uh, you think about PayPal um, that actually is the you know one of the more widely used digital payment sources. If you take all of those companies and you take the best of them and meld it all together, that's what you have in Latin America with Mercado Libre.
0: Yeah, much like our earlier conversation about Tencent, this is a company that does a whole lot of different things and seems to do it very well. Um, one of the issues with the space that it operates in is they wind up getting hit with a lot of volatility, right? They're they're in a lot of developing markets. They wind up getting hit with a lot of currency fluctuations, and this is something that can really put uh, put a damper on their quarterly results. Uh, so there can be some disappointments there. When we're looking at the results for this company, I know you and I tend to focus on some of the more operational business
1: metrics. That's true, Dylan, and and because they operate in you know 19 different foreign countries. And the currencies of those countries and they report in dollars, like you said, there are severe fluctuations that happen with their financials um, due to, you know, changes in foreign currency rates, uh, you know, compared to the dollar. Um, So we look at some of the operational metrics. Um, Three of my favorites are user growth, items sold and payment transactions. And the reason for that is because they're not uh, currency denominated. And so looking at those, you know, that gives you a good proxy for growth in a number of different areas and it strips out the foreign currency effect. Um, and this company has really done well looking at those operational metrics. Um, when you look at user growth, it's grown its user growth uh, for about 20% going back every quarter for like six years. Um, Its items sold um, has grown 40% year over year on average for like the last nine quarters. Uh, Payment transactions have exceeded 60% growth year over year every quarter going back to early 2015. So, you know, if you look at the non-financial Part of the growth story, this company is growing gangbusters.
0: Of course, we do have to also look at the financial part of the story uh, because that's what the market pays attention to as well. And things have not been particularly rosy for Melly over the past few months. I believe shares are down something like twenty five percent since March, uh, and that really has to do with the you know top line, bottom line numbers that they have to report.
1: Well, there is one other small thing that has affected the stock. If you go back several months, there were reports that Amazon.com is making a meaningful move into Brazil. Now, for the last several years, Amazon has been available. Folks in Brazil could access the website. They could buy books. um, And now... And I believe electronics. And now they're moving to develop a meaningful website in Brazil. And of course, anytime Amazon enters the conversation, any other stock that's competing in the space really has to ramp up. The company has to ramp up their game in order to compete.
0: Yeah, just ask Blue Apron about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but but what about some of the the tax stuff that's impacting their financials? Sorry, that was what I was teasing up before.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things that happened is the United States um, and ge- changed generally accepted accounting principles. And one of the things that they changed had to do with revenue recognition, um, and specifically uh, ASC 606 for you accounting buffs. How that affects Mercado Libre is that in the past, when they um, gave incentives for people, for shipping, and and to back that up just a little bit, Mercado Libre has been breaking out free shipping in many of its markets for the last couple of years in anticipation of Amazon moving into the market, and so they're working to take market share and by offering free shipping on many of their orders, um, you know they'll they'll be able to compete meaningfully before Amazon even gets there. So what they have done in the past is that. For accounting purposes, that was shown, the cost was shown under cost of goods sold. That recently changed in the first quarter of this year. Um, that now has to be a reduction from revenue. Now, that may not sound like it's that big of a deal, but in the most recent quarter, uh, Mercado Libre had revenue of $433 million dollars and they had given away 112 million in shipping incentives so instead of having 60% growth for that quarter it showed 19% growth under the new standard even though nothing had changed
0: right it's it's more of a recognition thing than an actual core business cost issue
1: right that that's right and so you know because of this it's going to take a couple of quarters for people to wrap their mind around this You know, people that follow the company have gotten used to seeing, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent growth in a quarter year over year. And now they're looking at 19 percent growth. And just from a psychological standpoint, that has an effect.
0: There was a silver lining to all of this, though, wasn't there, Danny?
1: There was. um, The company has been working to institute a program that it calls... Fulfillment by Mercado Libre.
0: I wonder where they got that idea.
1: <laughs> Does that sound familiar at all? Um, and they've taken a page from Amazon's playbook. And what they're doing is they're setting up warehouses and fulfillment centers within Latin America. And what happens is, is some of their merchants will bring in product and set it up in these fulfillment centers to be shipped out directly to customers. So that takes out a lot of the, um, you know, middlemen. In the most recent quarter, the National Postal Service in Brazil raised their rates pretty significantly. Um, In just local and regional shipments, the cost went up by 8% or more. But in national shipments, the cost went up by between 30% and 50%. Um, and so that took a toll on Mercado Libre's financials uh, during the quarter. They didn't really have a lot of time to react to that. They did say on the earnings conference call that this was, you know, a short-term situation, and because they have been working to move their merchants to um, fulfillment by Mercado Libre, um, the costs. Uh, that associated with shipping going up that significantly was kind of an incentive for those merchants to accelerate that process and start moving over to Mercado Libre's shipping system.
0: So to sum up the last three months from Mercado Libre, you have the kind of impending entrance of, of Amazon to one of its core markets you have this major uh, change in how they state their financials, and, and that makes their growth rates look a lot less rosy, and you have some costs rising for them. There's a lot of things to be concerned about with this company that maybe people wouldn't have been as worried about maybe six months ago. Um, and We actually got some questions uh, from one of our listeners, Simon, about some of these issues. And, and He asks us, I was interested to know what your thoughts are on Mercado, specifically because of the deal Walmart announced for Flipkart. I can't help but think South America is emerging as another battleground for e-commerce. And, and I think that that speaks to you know, the, the move that we saw with Amazon coming to Brazil a little bit. How do you feel about uh, Mercado in Brazil and South America with a potentially larger player coming in there, Danny?
1: Well, I think that you have to understand the market in Latin America a little bit in order to understand the dynamic. And, and one of the things that you're going to see is that in Latin America, they are a population that doesn't have that much in terms of credit cards and in terms of checking accounts. Um, this is by large one of the few remaining cash-based uh, markets in the world. So a lot of people still pay for things by cash. Now Mercado Libre set up their payment system called Mercado Pago and folks can stop by a local convenience store they can pay money at the counter and reload their account similar to what PayPal did years ago. And this is a, something that they set up years ago so it's it's very well penetrated within the region folks are not only using that to buy things on Mercado Libre's website but they have also expanded off of the platform so folks now use this to pay utility bills and at other stores as an example so this is one uh, thing that Mercado Libre has going in its favor to compete with somebody like Amazon another is just the hometown factor um When you talk about the region, Latin America is much earlier on in its uh, on the road to Internet penetration, to e-commerce, to online shopping. And so when you look at these, you know, this is a hometown company that the folks that live there trust. Um, And at least for the time being, that's going to give them, uh, you know, more of a competitive advantage and that i think that they can still compete with amazon because they've got such a you know such a head start in many of these areas.
0: And Simon asked us a second question and i think this kind of speaks to the value of what mercadolibre has already built there. Um would mercadolibre make a good acquisition target for a giant e-commerce company that wanted to establish a footprint in that region. And he specifically notes walmart, alibaba, possibly jd.com. Um, what, with what you just laid out, I would think the answer would have to be yes.
1: I, I agree with that, absolutely. I think that one of the things that you're going to see is consolidation in a lot of these international markets uh, as Amazon ramps up. You know, as big as the business is, and it accounted for something like 44% of the e commerce growth last year and maybe 4% of all online sales in the United States. It has not penetrated that far into international markets yet, although it is ramping up. And one of the things that you're going to see is there are going to be more mega deals like you saw with the bidding war between Walmart and Amazon.com. And I think that Latin America is one of those areas in the world that is ripe for this type of consolidation and I think there may be offers made for Mercado Libre in the near future from one of these you know large um e-commerce players
0: particularly when you look at the size of the company right i mean this is uh like a 15 billion dollar company is that right something in that neighborhood
1: it is it's it's uh you know firmly in the large mid to small large cap range. Um, and I think that this is an easy acquisition to swallow for a large company. I mean, if you think about that, uh, I believe Walmart just paid, what was it, $16 billion for Something like uh, that. Flipkart? That that puts MercadoLibre right in the same range in terms of You know how much somebody would have to pay to scoop up this company plus whatever premium they had to pay. So I I think that's definitely a possibility. I don't know if they're interested in being acquired, but I think that there are definitely going to be companies out there that are interested in making such an acquisition.
0: And to be clear, you know there there are some stocks that you buy because. Uh, you think that there's an acquisition coming down the road, and it's that you know this is more valuable in someone else's hands. Basically, uh, I think with Mercado, it's this is a business that works, and and it's a business that can continue to operate pretty well, you know, over the next five years. I'm a little worried about Amazon coming into that space, but I think that they've done enough to install themselves there. Uh, that it's not a huge, huge worry for me. So, so when someone's buying this business, um, you know it, it's appealing in its own right. It, it's not like you're buying this stock, thinking, "Oh, someone will think it's more valuable than it currently is." So you're buying a good business if you're owning this company.
1: I I think that Mercado Libre will prosper, uh, whether or not Amazon gets into the space. Um, Amazon may seem like they are invincible, but you know there there are several historical precedents. Um, the Fire Phone, as a for instance, where you know Amazon has not only failed but failed spectacularly, and that's something that Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has, you know, embraced. He understands there are going to be some places that he's going to fail, and I think if there is an area where Amazon has a tough time succeeding, I think that Latin America is probably one of those, and I think Mercado Libre would be the reason.
0: Okay, looking at the two companies we've talked about today, uh, do you have one in particular where you're like three or five years out, this is the one that I'm putting my money on?
1: Well, I already own a substantial position in Mercado Libre. I think last time I looked, it was. Say, I remember five to seven percent of my portfolio, so a pretty large chunk. Um, I will be looking to establish a position in Tencent here in the next uh, few weeks, but I think either one of them is a buy at this point.
0: Yeah, for my money, uh, it's funny because as a Mercado shareholder, I think I actually think. 10 cent is the better business to own over the next three to five years. And so, like you, I will probably be establishing a small position fairly soon. I'm glad that we had the excuse to do some homework on these companies with International Week
1: you know you gotta love uh, learning something about companies that you may not know so much about particularly if they're you know outside your current sphere of knowledge.
2: yeah
0: and listeners seem to really enjoy this week. Uh, we got a lot of notes saying that people kind of appreciated us getting out of our out of our core coverage area and talking about some lesser discussed businesses. Um, if you have any names that are international companies and you want to hear about them listeners, please let us know we're probably going to be doing another one of these weeks down the road just because the listener response was so strong. Um, Danny, anything else before I let you go?
1: No, I uh, w- watch that weather out there in, uh, you know, wet and slushy uh, DC.
0: Yeah, we're supposed to have our full outing today for a Nats game. I am not sure if that's going to happen. Austin Morgan, what do you think? You think it's in the cards?
2: No chance. No chance. There's so much rain.
0: <laughs> We've gotten rain for 5 straight days. That field's got to be soaked. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, um, they definitely have it covered and the grounds crew I'm sure is living at the park, but no way.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess my Friday night just opened up. Um, Danny, have a great weekend. I will chat with you soon.
1: Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out The Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Danny Vena, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on!